This podcast is intended for listeners that are 18 years or older. Explicit language, sensitive content, and views that are objectionable to some listeners may be present in the podcast. As such, listener discretion is strongly advised. Please read our podcast terms and conditions before listening to Up the Rabbit Hole. Welcome back to Up the Rabbit Hole. This is uh, Dr. Corey Harushka, sex therapist, and I have Brandy Ann's here as uh, my co-facilitator in this process. Good afternoon. How was holidays? Happy New Year. Holidays were okay, but, uh, you know, considering COVID, uh, it was pretty quiet. Yeah, a little bit different this year for everyone, I would bet. Yes, I'm sure. So hopefully, hopefully next Christmas will be a whole nother ball game and we can actually uh, enjoy it a little bit more. Yeah, we'll be able to have those family gatherings and going out to places that we would not normally be doing right now. I like it. That's a, that's a fantastic hope and dream right there. (laughs) So, yeah. So, um, so now that I've got all my excitement from the last one out and I can talk at a normal pace, um, we're going to go forward with the new topic and we're going to go a little bit deeper. And so this one's going to be kind of looking at porn and kind of one of the big controversial topics is like, when is it an addiction or an issue? And so we're going to explore a little bit more into that. So, but before, um, of course, we're going to start with the joke of the day. And so we're going to go back to my old uh, or young childhood kind of time. And uh, I got another childhood joke that's kind of related to this. And so Brandy, so what, what did the one frog say to the other frog? I, I can't even imagine. Rub it, rub it, <laughs> rub it. Yeah. And this is your childhood jokes? Gracious. This is my childhood jokes. Yes. Oh, there's a lot of them. That's probably one of the main reasons I got it into this. <laughs> there's a whole deep story about that one. I think that might be a whole nother, you know, podcast in terms of why did I get into this process of being a sex therapist? And that oh, may be something you want to share with our audience, actually. A whole journey attached to that one. <laughs> So why don't we just start off a little bit with kind of defining this because the, the term porn addiction is actually a pretty controversial term <clears throat> only because of the, the term addiction attached to it. Yeah. Right now, if we're going to call an addiction, typically when we're looking at addiction behaviors or addictive behaviors, there's two key components that are commonly talked about. And one is withdrawal symptoms and the other one is tolerance. And so with withdrawal symptoms, you're usually going through biological withdrawal symptoms and that uncomfortableness of not, not having what you had before. Or with the tolerance, it's you need bigger, better, faster, stronger. You need more, more fix, more, in this case, it'd be more porn to get the same kick. And so as a result, um, some of the dynamics that are controversial about this is uh, some people in the sexual health community indicate that you can't really be addicted to what could be a healthy behavior. Let's say like sex, for instance, you know, is there such thing as a food addiction if people are eating, you know, you're going to go through withdrawal symptoms from not eating. So with some addiction models, really the only way to treat it is complete abstinence. And so that's also another not healthy process when you're looking at pr- typically the two would be food and sex. And so as a result, we, they've come up with some other terms to kind of explain this. And some of them are clinical and some of them are just kind of replacements. The other common one that's associated right now would be the out of control sexual behavior. And that's basically when you're having a behavior that is causing you problems and it's out of control and you're not able to manage your behavior from that. So those would be the two main ones. Within the clinical terms, we actually have terms like and, and that are related to our 
porn use or, or lots of other behaviors as well. And I think, Brandy, you've kind of experienced some of these in terms of the new work that you've been doing is like you'll have OCD. So you can have OCD behavior that looks like porn. it's in porn use. So they have a compulsion to kind of keep doing this. And it's more psychological than biological or kind of that addiction model. Um, we also have hypersexuality and hypersexuality is defined or termed as when you're hitting that about seven, seven times a week, you're moving into the hypersexuality definition. So if you're having sex with someone seven or with people, you know, seven times in a week, um, that's where you hit that critical technical, that term for that. Well, and I think what's important too, um, Corey, is if we look at, you know, is it right or is it wrong? A lot of people, I think that's really a personal thing, right? Is it right or is it wrong? Addiction obviously is going to be problematic because it's going to affect your daily functioning. But things like hypersexuality or more of an OCD take it personal opinion or professional opinion, right or wrong? Yeah, and it can be because you can have like OCD traits that are still non-problematic. I think in my case, I've had a case where there was an OCD uh, masturbation where it was 30 times a day. So it was causing friction burns. It was causing a lot of time, a lot of energy <clears throat> and physical harm. And when we're looking at psychology terms, typically it becomes a problem when it becomes a problem, like psychologically for us, when it's becoming either physical or relational or psychological or any of those other kind of key areas in our lives, when it's causing problems in those areas, um, then that's where we go. And it's also, you know, porn just in general is kind of a, um, a, not necessarily a taboo topic, but it's a hard topic when it comes to marriage and when it comes to relationship. And I think a lot of people, you know, in, in questions that we get that I've worked with, well, is it wrong or is this normal or, you know, how do we navigate this? Right. And a very, it's very unique to each relationship because, you know, as a sex therapist, I would say is I don't have a general problem with porn use or porn viewing. But just like if I don't have a problem with, you know, people consuming alcohol, the issue is what kind of alcohol are you, you know, what kind of porn are you using? How much are you using? How often are you using? How long are you watching that porn? So we kind of talk about frequency, style, intensity, and duration, right? You know, is it one time a week, but it's for eight hours at a time? Or is it, you know, five times in a week for, you know, five minutes each? You know. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, to really get to the root of things, or there's a lot of communication that needs to be involved within the relationship to figure out what's going on. Correct. And, and each relationship will have their own rules on what is acceptable within that or even why. Sometimes it might be acceptable to view it together or yeah. with consent to say, hey, here's what I'm looking at. Are you OK with that? You know, or I get first dibs uh, or, or it's totally banned, which means no, none of that at all. And then we have to look at defining more on the porn, which would be, how do we define, you know, porn versus erotica? You know, I've had cases where, you know, when we typically define porn or pornography, it's explicit sexuality, in, including penetration of some form. That's right. But what well, we also have, you know, they have erotica. So it could be sensuality, nudity, um, and those components move closer into the erotica. And I've even had people call um, porn, like seeing someone on a street in a, in a short skirt. And they say that's street porn and therefore you've had a breach because now you've had an affair in your mind with, you know, on me and therefore I'm no longer interested in having a relationship. So we have a lot of what, what is normal within the behavior and what is kind of relational acceptability um, as well. So these are all the important factors that I think it's that people need to look at rather than just saying, hey, porn is porn. It's like, no, no, 
there's illegal porn, <laughs> there's legal porn, there's, you know, kinky porn, there's pretty extreme, there's pretty really light. And it's, it's a wide range uh, of kind of, uh, of videos and material. Agreed. And I think one of the things that's super important too, is a, a lot of the women and couples that I, women of the couples that I work with is very much, well, it's only for men, which actually is, is, is not quite the case. There's so much out there directed specifically for women. And when you have those conversations and you might have that agreement and consent to watch it together, it can go back and forth. What, what, what's visually pleasurable for her to watch can also be visually pleasurable for him to watch. So it's really that coming together of knowing that it's not just one area, but there is a whole bunch of area that you can watch and look at, whether it be together or alone. But again, it's going back to that sexual buffet and what is, what's going to be pleasurable, pleasurable. Sorry for both of you together. Yeah. No pun intended with all that fun stuff that you were talking about. I think it's also important to talk about um, like, lenses in this process, which means, yes. you know, there's been an insurgence of a lot of uh, female directors yes. making porn, particularly for women, which has a different flavor and a different style. And so that's kind of one of the new interesting things. It's been around for a long time, but there's a lot more now than there was when I was kind of doing my initial training like 20 years ago. And it's, and, and you then, know, yeah. And then how do we define that again? Cause then, you know, is it romance? So is it, this is a romance show with some explicitness? Is that porn? You know, is it all about, yeah, so it's, there's a, it's a whole fun to, uh, exploration into this whole process, which is why we're talking is. a little bit about it today. It is. And it's fantastic because we've got some great questions from some of our viewers that we can hopefully define and talk about and uh, give some answers and helpful advice. First one we have from clients or just people who are interested. Uh, I've been married for five months. After a couple of months of my marriage, I came to know that my husband is seriously addicted to porn. He used to watch porn movies and pictures to make him relax. On the other hand, I hate to watch those. He hides all of these things from me. I am in great anxiety. And what should I do? I I think the important thing to talk about is to ask more questions. Like I said, when we're defining seriously addicted, uh, I've said, you know, the whole range of people from once a year saying that they're in an addict to, to like, you know, 30 times a day. And so part of me, I want to understand is, you know, what's her perception of what an addiction is? Does it feel like an addiction versus does it fulfill the requirements of an addiction or even an out of control behavior? Um, and again, I've had people say is, you know, your perception of, of once, you know, one minute of use is kind of an addiction when they're using it versus, you know, four hours daily, I've had people do, you know, that, that full range. And so, you know, we need a little bit more information to understand, you know, how often if your husband is doing this, is he actually addicted, seriously addicted? You know, like we talked about, if he's doing it once a day, he moves into the hypersexuality. It's probably not an addiction. Um, And we can't tell until we technically stop and we watch what happens and we see if there's withdrawal or, (laughs) you know, or that tolerance, which means he needs more. He's moving from seven times a day, seven times a week to the more eight times a week, doing twice a day, doing three times a day, um, and that could be looking at porn without masturbating. So these are also two different things that we need to talk about is, you know, being a porn addict and not masturbating is, is looking. And so versus just masturbating by itself. One of the things I do think would be completely anxiety provoking, though, is the hiding portion. You bet. So I think, you know, what does that look like? Does she actually want to know how many times that he's doing this or asking him if, if he thinks that it's that it's an actual problem? 
there's where we need some communication around that and what it looks like and how we can move forward. Um, is this a breach of trust for her? Perhaps that it is. Um, is there agreements within the relationship that, you know, he can watch a certain amount of porn, but he can't go over that certain amount because then it's, then it's an addiction or then it's, it doesn't feel right within the relationship dynamic. Yeah, and I think that one of the issues is, does, does she want him to let her know when he goes and uses? Will, will that make a difference? Another question, because sometimes they say, I don't want to know, but you're addicted, but I don't want to know how much you're doing. So again, there's that lens. Um, and also we're just looking for like that better understanding of what are the rules of the relationship. Yeah. And maybe she wants him to outright stop as opposed to if, if he is masturbating, maybe she wants to be the one having sex with him. So, I mean, that she could be taking that really personally. What's wrong with me? Why can't I satisfy? Which of course would again lead to anxiety producing consequences. You bet. Sometimes relationships will go, they like, they don't have an issue with, you know, the porn use in the relationship and, but they just want first dibs, which means if you're going to go, you know, use a porn or, or masturbate or do that dynamic that they want first dibs to kind of say, Hey, I'm in the mood. Why do you want to come over here first? That's right. Another option too, is perhaps this is something that they can do together. I know she, she stated that she hated to watch those, but there, there are different varieties of pornography that are really based to for women. Correct. So that that might be something that she is more comfortable with as opposed to the harder types of pornography that he may be interested in. There may be some kind of communication and negotiation compromise that they can come to. Yeah, even even the erotica. So a lot of women may, you know, may prefer the more erotica style or the relationship for it focused. Um, and again, you know, there's some of the stuff that we talk about that are a little bit more generalized. And there is some interesting bioevolutionary research supporting some of the stuff, which that might be another topic for the future. Absolutely. Last but not least, I think, you know, if there is this breach, how do we repair it? And that's, that's an important thing that I think I spend a lot of time in therapy and working with people on terms of when there's a beat or even a perceived breach, how do we repair that process to kind of get back to the same dynamic? And so maybe we'll have a whole nother session for that in terms of breach repair, because that's, that's, that's like, wow, we could get into there's like, again, it's, not down the rabbit hole, but it's up that rabbit hole in terms of trying to make sense of a lot of the stuff. And there's so many different things. 100%. A lot of times we need more information. So we have a secondary question here. And the question is, is a man who downloads porn a sexual addict? Well, <laughs> well I mean, you can download a lot of porn and not watch any of it. And so I've had people do that from a business perspective. They're, they're downloading terabytes of porn they're, they're not an addict they're not watching it they're not doing anything with it except selling it distributing it you know putting it on a website so the answer immediately just from that question is no <laughs> right but wouldn't it be uh, worth to ask the question how much how often how how are you watching it all of those types of things uh, of course and i think that's part of the the therapeutic good clinical therapeutic process is we need to ask the who what where when and how to kind of be able to get a good understanding of what, what that, what that, what that behavior is, is about, what, what's going on, how much, because really for the sex addiction title or the out of control behavior, there needs to be a problematic use, right? And Absolutely. it needs to be causing some kind of distrust, this difficulty, um, you know, those issues for it to be a, a problem. That's right. And if we go back to the definitions that we already spoke about, is it is it hypersexuality? Is it OCD behavior, out of control sexual behavior or addiction? 
again, more information would be absolutely super, but I just think if a man downloads porn, it doesn't necessarily make him an addict. Correct. I mean, and so if a woman downloads porn, does it make any difference? It's, or whoever, right? So it's just understanding that anyone who's downloading the stuff is just downloading, then what, what are you doing with it? If you're watching it, how long are you watching it? You know, what are you doing when you're watching it? And, you know, and even if we're looking at that is what are you downloading? Because you could be downloading illegal material. And then that moves into a whole nother dynamic, even within the, the porn kind of uh, the dynamic. 100%. Yes. So we have a third question. My husband is 30 years old. We got married six months ago. And recently I observed my husband watching gay porn. Is this normal? And how can I deal with this situation? So, so it's not abnormal, but I wouldn't say it's not as a common kind of pattern. So um, when we're looking at kind of dynamics, realize that things that turn people on, there's two main components. And one is novelty. Anything new and different tends to be exciting. And the other one is um, taboo. So anything that's taboo is also exciting. And so there could be an option um, for him to have something new and exciting or taboo and having that arousal kick. There's another common component is when we're looking at gender preference is there is things called arousal templates. And so yes. your arousal template <clears throat> could be include, let's say gay, gay porn or gay sex kind of stuff but your relational template may not have any of that in. And so that's the difference between being gay and, and having a, a, a gay arousal template. They're, they're two different things. And there's a really good, um, if you want to go look up, just type in gender bread. The gender bread man does a nice pictorial version of the differences between gender identity, gender preference, arousal templates um, in a nice simple one page kind of picture to help people understand that things aren't so nice and simple and complex. So there's a whole bunch of variables as part of this. I also think if we're going to define what a relational template and arousal template are, arousal template is something that turns you on, makes you get into the mood. A relational template is how you're relating to others. So again, can be vastly different, but then at least people know what those differences are. And who you even want to fall in love with, because exactly. that's, again, that's part of that, who you find attractive sexually and who do you want to fall in love with are those nice little variables and, and realize that most people are aroused by anything sexuality so if you're watching two animals have sex the surprising thing is most people get turned on by that even though they might not actually admit it that's right and i guess another question i would ask um from the female's perspective is what are you wanting from this whole situation do you want to be talking about it do you want to be asking questions about it do you want to be participating in this with him we need to be opening up dialogue to really figure out what kind of lens she wants to look at this from correct i think it's important to keep that communication and that relationship negotiation open and, and that's probably what i spend a lot of time too is helping couples navigate in, in uh, informing clients uh, on what you know the differences are in alleviating some concerns because most concerns aren't really present i mean the concern is present but they're not problematic concerns from a clinical lens they might be relationally concerns it could be very beneficial for both of them to go to the sexual buffet together and figure out what they like and what they don't like which is super super important because really until you until you hit that hard no you know you don't really know the extent of what you may enjoy until it's like, yep, boundary crossed. This is a hard no. We don't need to be doing this again. You bet. All right. Last question that we have, Dr. Hrushka. 
I have been dating my boyfriend for three and a half years now. And in this time, he has promised several times to quit his porn addiction, but he hasn't. And he lies to me about it constantly. Most recently, he signed up for a website and he was sexually messaging another woman. How can I get him to stop this? So I think this, I mean, outside of the porn behavior, I think this is more of a breach behavior. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's porn or whether it's any kind of behavior. When you're making a word, you're giving your commitment to kind of making a behavior change. That's kind of the important thing. And so given this, it's now working on related to like that breach of trust. And, you know, we we need to kind of work more from that because I don't know, again, from the addiction model, are we working on the addiction or are we working on the relational repair and the breach? Absolutely. And to add to that, now he's, he's contacting a person that seems to be out of relationship consent. That's a whole secondary issue that needs to be looked at. Correct. And so again, we, when we're looking at this, and this is to help kind of people know is we're trying to break down as a, as a psychologist, sex therapist, I'm trying to break down these, these issues or the, or the, what seemed to be like one problem, which may actually be a cluster of different problems. And we kind of and that's one way to help clients and, and people understand. We break it down into more bite-sized pieces. It's easier to work with and we can get more movement than trying to move this big monster that's, that's made of a whole bunch of issues. Yes, uh, absolutely. <clears throat> what, what know, another... behavior change, one of the things that I, I have people really think about is, you know, what's he willing to do for his word? Because if he's going to give his word, what is he willing to do for that? And what's he willing to put onto the table for that? And that goes for both anyone in a relationship. You give your word to me. My word is like law. If I say I'm going to do something, you know, unless I like totally forget about it, you know, I, I promise to kind of follow through with that. And so sometimes I joke, I'll, I'm, I'm willing to put like, I'll usually go, I'll bring my keys. And I was like, I'm willing to put the keys in my car onto my, you know, for my word, because that's how good and, and solid my word is when I say I'm going to go do something. And 100%. so that's something to, to talk about in their relationship is, you know, if you're going to give me your word, like how valuable is it? What are you willing to put onto the table for your word to, to, to hold, you know, so I can trust that process? Absolutely. Which, you know, and the reality is he may not be willing to do that. He may not want to be dealing with this. He may not want to, uh, you know, have this conversation with his significant other, which of course is the continuation of the breach of trust. Right. Now there can be some issues where he is, he is hooked into this and he's trying to stop, but it's not really happening. And so this is where we need to get him in to be able to work with some individuals um, because there is a whole, and I'm, you know, I'm going to decide if I'm going to talk about this, or we might have to do this another round because there's this whole biochemistry attached to this, the addiction stuff which relates not only to the porn addiction, but it relates to sex addiction. And I'm going to use that term loosely or out of control behavior as well as substance use. So, you know, I'm going to put that on the side sidebar so that, you know, that'll be from our next round, maybe version two uh, of our, of our addiction out of control behavior, stuff like that. So I can teach a little bit about the biochemistry because to me, that's almost a crucial component of this because there's one thing about, you know, looking at relationships and understanding porn and understanding sex addiction or out of control sexual behavior and, and breach dynamics. And then there's understanding that, that biochemistry or the biopsychosocial model to help really get a nice uh, understanding of what's going on in here. Added to that, I think that female really needs to take a step back and, and um, what, you know, what is worst case scenario? Do you have a backup plan as well? 
you have to really care for yourself. So it may be him seeking out help or therapy, but it also on her, she needs to make sure that the realization that this is out of her outside of her locus of control. And she really needs to ensure that she's taking care of herself and making sure that she is okay. You bet. And I think that's another thing while, while you're dealing with other people's issues, <laughs> make sure that you're grounding yourself and taking care of yourself because a lot of people get hooked into that and are trying to work on someone else and fix and change someone else. And they forget about themselves. That's right. And also with the realization, you can't fix anybody else. The only thing that you can fix is yourself. The good news is you can help someone fix themselves. Supporting them, yes. <laughs> you can help someone change their behavior. You just can't change it. And that's, again, that who, who, whose issue is it really? That's right. Yes, I would agree with that. Yes. So my understanding is, Dr. Rushka, you've got some excellent success stories from former porn addiction. Would you like to share one of those with us? I don't know if they're excellent because I mean, the dilemma when we're looking at this process is this is an ongoing pattern of behavior. So what a lot of do is, is, you know, individuals might come in and we're getting there, you know, I'll do my, you know, they're doing it once a day and it's, you know, and they don't want to, you know, some individuals can do it, let's say once a day and, and they're doing it because the two common patterns I'll find is at least with my guys is it's either for numbing they're, they're you know, they're stressed. So they self-medicate, they watch porn, they get off. It's a seven minute job off they go and, and they feel better and they're, they're relieved. The other one is kind of through boredom. So they're, they're doing it because of excitement. They're bored they, and it's exciting to see that high novelty of the buffet of you know what people are doing sexually. And so they go into this, they, they go down into this rabbit hole <laughs> to kind of explore what new different things or, or kind of do that. And again, looking, just anticipating you know, I give a little bit of a tidbit of this, just anticipating the looking at porn fires off dopamine, fires off, you know, this pleasure chemicals that, that kind of hook your brain. And the more that happens, the more you become actually impulsive to go do it again. And that happens with anything that is pleasure oriented. Um, coffee, caffeine, nicotine, a lot of the like drugs, any of the amphetamine base kind of run that. Um, and so those kind of those chemicals, chocolate, <laughs> food, uh, sex, you know, cigarettes, uh, alcohol, these are all the classics. And so once there's that pleasure response, it becomes more likely to happen again, the more you do it. So it actually is building up. And again, I'm going to, I'm going to talk more about this on another one of the next episodes, because we can have a lot more time and fun to play with it. So sure. but yeah, we can get them down. So they, you know, they're having a problem because of either religious issues or kind of doing it. And we're, and we're getting it down from, let's say, you know, seven times a week to, to even, you know, once, once or twice a week, and that's kind of a little bit more under their feeling of it's in control. And so they have success on that. Some people due to religious say, you know, you know, they're doing it a lot, like, you know, daily, but basically the, the religion and their spirituality saying like, no, this is like a total no, no. And so that's where we have a lot more challenges because that, that pleasure response is so strong. And when we're, especially in summer or people walking around in kind of in outfits that a lot more revealing or showing more curves, um, winter doesn't do that as much for in terms of showing that, but that those become triggers and those triggers um, become those part of that arousal. You know, you're seeing something and that thinks it. And so now it increases that likelihood to go down that, that line to kind of go look at porn or go do something again. It, it is, it is doable. It is changeable. Um, it, it takes a bit of time. So normally that minimum time that I'm looking before I'm even starting to get a good dynamic is about six weeks. 
<clears throat> there are patterns again that we'll go through and we'll talk more about that. Um, but it, just realize that, you know, six weeks to four months is typically what my baseline is looking at to see where we're at. <laughs> and, and I don't trust it prior to that. Well, I think another thing to really remember is when it comes to uh, a lot of my women that I've worked with, take it personally. So because their husbands may be looking at porn or their significant others looking at porn, it doesn't mean that he's an addict. So they're personalizing this and it's very much why isn't he having sex with me? He would rather just have masturbate and, and do his own thing. But, you know, it doesn't mean that he, he doesn't not in love with you anymore. It doesn't mean that he's not attracted to you anymore. So women need to stop personalizing this sometimes. Yeah, it has nothing to do with them directly. It may exactly. have something to do with them indirectly. If the relationship is not going well or, or, or it's so much work. So depending on like everyone has their own patterns of sexuality. And so what happens is, you know, the, the, what I equate porn to be is porn is the end, never ending supply of high quality gourmet food delivered 24 hours a day, seven days a week to your yeah. home free of charge, and you don't get full. Nothing really competes with porn because people have spent hours and hours and hours to give you this, you know, five minute video. <laughs> and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff going on in the background. And people think, oh, well, that's that's the real adult. So it's a show, it's a video. There might be some components of, you know, homemade porn dynamics, but this is all prepped and set up. And so people are putting on a show. 100% it's a movie. And so, yeah. And so this, this, nothing, this doesn't compete with the normal, unless you, a lot of people come in, oh, I just want good spontaneous sex. I mean, a lot of the research supports, no, that, that doesn't happen very well. <laughs> It's like, I want a just good spontaneous cooking meal and wondering how good it's going to be with whatever I have in my, my, like my kitchen right now. The, the more you plan for this, the better that, that happens. And so that's kind of what the research tends to really support. And so if you're doing this, like I said, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff that will get into better sex stuff and discussions. But from a porn lens is realize that you, you can't compete with porn really well and you shouldn't be competing with porn. No difference than my guy should be competing with romance novels of, you know, riding up on the horse or, you know, those kind of lens. They're very, very similar. And most of my women, you know, don't have a concern if the guys are watching romance, but there's this dynamic of, so if you fall in love or you're feeling feelings for the, you know, the knight in shining armor who's coming to save the day on that and, and you fall, have feelings for that, that is very similar. Just because it looks very sexual, again a lot of people personalize that and have that there's a difference so watch for i guess those double standards and that goes for both ways that i want people to kind of do exactly i would also really suggest to the women that i work with anyways you know what would it look like if you went and watched it with him as you long know. as that's within their acceptable <laughs> kind of terms for their their behavior too true but if we go back to that buffet analogy you don't really know what you don't like or do like until that boundary is crossed and you're like mm -mm, uh -uh, i, I do no. use it with people to just see is to help you understand what you may like absolutely watch that but some people feel kind of creepy watching other people have sex because it's that's like peeping in on someone and and that's understandable so it's just part of this is you know helping people explore and understand their own sexual identity and, and their preferences and, and what works, what doesn't work. And you can always say, no, I've seen it, I've done it. I'm not gonna, you know, you know, go down that path. But just be open to communicate that with your significant other. But yeah, yeah. So there is, I mean, I do have like, there's, I mean, the, the stories on these ones aren't as exciting because it's really, we're just learning to to manage one's behavior and wean it off and kind of get down to that level of of acceptable terms within the relationship and oneself. So. Sure. I, I have a lot of people that struggle quite a bit with it. Um, and, and that's kind of where we're having some of those difficulties. So, 
Absolutely. So if you were to if you were to have some takeaways here, Dr. Hrushka, what would your takeaways be from today? I think the first takeaway would be make sure we're defining and, and that it's clear. If you're going to call it, you know, porn addiction, make sure it fulfills those requirements. Otherwise, we throw labels at people and it's really hard to like, you know, oh, you're an addict. It's like, well, I'm not an addict. But as soon as you get called an addict, you start believing you're an addict. And I have people coming in and going, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a porn addict. And, and it's like, because I watch it once a week and I think about it once in a while because your partner said you are. And it's like, no, it <laughs> doesn't fulfill the requirements. You know, make sure we're talking about porn versus erotic and stuff like that. It might not make a difference in the relationship, but, you know, there's a wide range of behaviors out there. Um, another takeaway I would say is if we're looking at, you know, out of a problematic behavior, really we need to look at how are we going to wean that off and be prepared for it to last you know, to, to do a bit of kicking and screaming as we do this. And again, we'll get more into this, this problem, you know, fixing some of this later, but it's, to, you know, six weeks as a minimum, four months, if we're lucky in this process to cool that process down, to rebuild that trust, that gain that pattern of control over one's behavior. And that's, you know, depending on how much you're using, it could even take longer than that for us to really trust that. Fair enough. And I think the third one might be is make sure you're like, as you mentioned, make sure you're negotiating and navigating and communicating in that what what you're, what you're liking, what you're wanting, what are the rules, you know, is it acceptable? or Is it not? Um, and then we'll work on breach stuff later, because that's a whole nother topic <laughs> on learning how to fix that. Well, I think those are excellent takeaways. Awesome. So just to let you guys know, um, you know, as, as we're kind of done for day, as we keep moving forward with this process, I want you to pay attention for some of you very meticulous individuals who will hear interesting little things in the background. <laughs> we're, we're slowly upgrading this process every little single time. And so you get to see how we kind of grow forward in this process. And I'm sure you're going to find out little issues. So, <laughs> but that's the fun process of seeing these little Easter eggs in here too. <laughs> hundred percent, but we most certainly appreciate everybody listening out there and we look forward to hearing your feedback and um, any other questions that you may have. So let's, let's go with that. And we'll wait for you to kind of give us some more input on things you would like us to talk about. And as we kind of get some guests kind of coming forward too. So take care, have a good day and uh, hopefully you learned something new today. <laughs>